Good morning. Brene Brown has some, some great words, and I appreciate reading her stuff and listening to some of her things. A um, little bit of show and tell for Sunday morning. You okay with that? All right. First thing is this. It's a bag. And this is a bag for hygiene kits that we partner with uh, Mennonite Central Committee. And every year at Christmas, we ask people to uh, help make these bags and or fill them with uh, various hygiene items that we um, then are able to send through MCC to people in countries around the world that are in desperate need of hygiene kits. So there'll be things like soap in here and some towels and, and other things like that. And I'm, I'm letting you know about this so that you have time to start preparing and we'll be having some information coming out shortly about what goes in here and how you can help make more bags. And I think we have about 150 of these that are already set, but we'd love to do a lot more uh, for people. And this is a great thing to do as a Christmas gift for people in your family. So I know lots of people talk about the shoe boxes, and we've just been partnered with MCC for a long time, and we're really passionate about these. So this is what we're uh, doing again this year. I'm also really excited to tell you about, about this, and this is an Advent devotional guide that is um, provided um, by uh, the Be In Christ Church, uh, to which we belong, and it is a daily guide, and then there are weekly uh, descriptions in here, and our teaching series will be going along with this. It will also include uh, making a, an Advent wreath as a family that you can use throughout the Advent season, and we'll be giving you more information about that. But these will be coming to you soon. They'll be digital. There's a digital version, but there's also the paper copy. And I think in today's world where we're fatigued a little bit with some of the digital stuff, it's nice to have something that we can hold and feel. And um, let's see. Oh, uh, this... Um, this December 12th and 13th, we want to try doing something that's just going to be a lot of fun, and that is carol singing outside. And so uh, we're going to be having more information coming to you for that, but we want to have a party out in the parking lot, a parking lot party that will have lots of Christmas lights and just some fun singing for children of all ages. And, uh, and then one little surprise that we're working on, I can't tell you about it yet, but I am so excited about it. And, uh, and just want to, to put that uh, seed out there so that you can um, mark that in your calendars. It'll be December 12th, and then if it's raining out, and we hope that it's 25 degrees and raining on December 12th, if it is, then we'll do it the very next night. And then one more thing. Every once in a while, things come out that are... Um, they, they, they're just an encouragement, and they're surprising. And in here, you can't see this, but this is a pick. It's a guitar pick that a friend of mine showed me, and on it it says, New Life. Isn't that exciting? But here's where it gets better. If you turn the pick around, he has a picture of my face on it. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, like that's one step closer. A friend of mine just said it's one step closer to celebrity pastor, that there's now pics with my face on it. But I was kind of thinking, like, does he use my face to ram on the strings on the way down or on the way up? Like, I, I'm just not sure about uh, the motivation behind making it. But, but I now have guitar picks with my face on them. 
So if you want to, you know, maybe you could collect them and I could sign it for you and it would be worth 10 bucks one day. So anyway, I just thought that that would be a lot of fun to show you. Now I'm noticing here with our television, do we have television up and we're good to go? Okay, great. We are in the series called From the Margins, and it's finding our voice in today's world, and we're looking at our New Testament letters and looking at these different authors that wrote letters to people. And we talked about how much of the New Testament and the letters that are in here are all about reading somebody else's mail. We're literally reading somebody else's mail. And even though it's 2,000 years old and in a different culture halfway around the world, there are still things that we can learn from these letters. And today we are looking at... Uh, the letters of First and Second Peter. So I want to begin by asking you this question, okay? What's worse, losing your job or losing your business? You may not know how to answer that, but it's a question that we ask. What's worse, if I lost my job or if this person lost their business? Or having to wear a mask all day and goggles because of your job? Is that worse or is only being able to see your aging parents over FaceTime because you can't see them in person? Which is worse? What's worse, having to watch for the last month the U.S. election <laughs> or a Toronto Maple Leafs hockey game? Which is worse? Yes, one person is saying they are both terrible. But these are all real experiences that people are going through, and they cause angst, and they cause pain, and they cause grief, and in some manner, they cause a type of suffering. And yet we, what we do is when we experience these or we look at them, we try to evaluate them. What's the level of severity and how does it compare to something else? This is what I think we can learn and take away from what Peter writes in these letters today. So the Apostle Peter, a leader in the early church, has written two letters to a group of people that are scattered across the whole region. And that region today would be what modern-day Turkey. And so if you think about the, the whole country of Turkey in that region, Peter was writing to Christians who were, who were following Jesus in the first century, and they were undergoing a lot of persecution and a lot of difficulty. And he was writing letters to them to encourage them. And so in the first letter, he writes this. And first of all, he says that, that uh, God has given them some amazing promises and inheritance, and, and he writes this, So be truly glad because there's wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials. And this word trials shows up again and again. Many trials for a little while. And these trials show you that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than just gold. So when your faith remains strong through these many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So here's Peter saying, listen, you are going through a bunch of junk right now. And if you can just hold on, there's, a, there's something good at the end of this. I'm talking about Jesus being revealed to the whole world. And there's this sense of acknowledging suffering and then trying to give them the opportunity to think, how do we get through this? 
And how do we do this together? And the rest of the letter, as you read through, it's, it's five chapters. It takes you about 15 minutes to read through it. The rest of the letter is really just Peter trying to help them think through the trials that they're experiencing and even the sense of suffering that they're feeling and what to do with that. So this word suffering, the, the rest of the letter is so much about suffering and then the hope that we get through each other and through Jesus. But this idea of suffering is this word uh, from where we get our word pathos. So throughout the letter, not only is Peter talking about trials, he's acknowledging their suffering. And I think it's important that we realize he's acknowledging that they are suffering. That's the empathy that Brene Brown was just talking about in the video. And so the word that we have for pathos or pathology is, is the same word that we would translate here as suffering. And then the word empathy is literally the word empathos, and it means in feeling. So you're in the feeling of another person. It's the ability to understand and to share their feelings. And so what you have in this letter in Peter is he's acknowledging their suffering, and he's entering into empathy with them and then encouraging them in how they respond to the suffering. And so as you read this letter, this is going to be the temptation that you have. These people were being killed for their faith or they were being put in jail for their faith or they were having their homes taken away for their faith. Things that are happening in countries still today. And Peter's writing to them and he's encouraging them and we're reading this 2,000 years later in another part of the world and we're going I don't know like nobody's trying to kill me nobody's trying to steal my house like I don't know their suffering is so much greater than my suffering so what does this letter have to say to us or to me today and this is where I want to come back to Brene Brown. I think she's done a wonderful thing in giving us this, this concept of comparative suffering. And comparative suffering is this, evaluating your own pain in comparison to another person's pain. And we all do this. What's worse, losing your job or losing your business? And when we compare ourselves to another person's pain, the pain that we're experiencing, the suffering we feel, the angst or the grief that we're going through, and we look at other people in our life, we do one of two things in how we compare. Typically, I think what we do is we go, well, that person has it way worse than I do. So I just kind of need to suck it up. Or we look at their pain and we go like, yeah, mine's way worse. And then what that does is it leads to this self-pity and an exaggeration of our condition and it skews our thinking or our perception of reality. And I think there might be some people that do that, but I think generally the average person looks at another person's pain and suffering and goes, yeah, they've got it way worse. And if you can't, if there's no one in your inner circle that you, like we, we look for somebody who's got it worse. And then we use that as, as an excuse to shove down our feelings and, and not to feel okay in expressing them. And I think what Peter is doing here, when he writes this letter, um, when these people read this letter, when they heard this letter being read to them, literally would have been how it happened. I think it was permission for them to go, yeah, this is a rough time right now. 
we're really going through a lot and it's really not fun. And it's okay to feel what we're feeling. Sometimes we work from a scarcity model. So when it comes to things like empathy and compassion, we feel like there's not enough to go around. And so I need to make sure that I give my empathy to that person who has it worse than I do, and I'll just suck it up and, and not really acknowledge what I'm going through. Or compassion is really needed for the people that have it worse than I do. And yet what we don't realize, what Peter does in here, if we go back to those verses that I, that I referred to at the beginning in verse 9, he says, this is when Jesus is revealed, you're going to see how all of this fits into place. And what Jesus is a reminder of for us is that things like empathy and compassion and love and grace and mercy are infinite because they come from him. And he makes them readily available to us to give to ourselves and to share with one another. But what we tend to do is we work from a scarcity mindset and we think that my suffering isn't really that bad compared to that person's suffering. So here's some examples. Uh, a young mom who's got one child and she's stuck at home right now and she can't go to the moms and tots groups and do all the things that she was doing a year ago and she's going crazy with this little 18-month-old. But she knows that she has friends with three kids who are stuck at home and they're trying to homeschool them instead of putting them in school. And, and that mom's got it way worse than I do, so I shouldn't be feeling the way I'm feeling. I'll just shove it down. Or another example of this is the guy who uh, is working so hard trying to, to um, get new contracts for the business. And every month, the contracts are getting less and further between. But he knows a couple of his buddies have already lost their business. And as one pal, the marriage is dissolved along with the business. And they've got it way worse. So I don't need to be feeling, I shouldn't be feeling the way I'm feeling, so I'll just shove it down. Or the university student who's taking the online classes and just isn't motivated to do anything, and is failing. But then is thinking, but there are people around the world who have no food and no home, and, and they're destitute. They've got it way worse than I do. I shouldn't be feeling the way I'm feeling. And the Apostle Peter is saying, not only is it okay to feel what you're feeling, but to also understand as he, as he writes this, that Jesus has also been through suffering and understands how you are feeling. He can empathize with us. And our response to suffering is, is how we are going to find our voice. And it just leads us back to Jesus. And so as you read through chapter 2, Peter's saying, yes, you're going through great difficulty, but know this. You, when you're together as a people of God, you are where God dwells literally on the earth right now. God is dwelling with you and among you. And that's an opportunity to let, let the world see how that gives you the privilege of ministering to one another, of ministering to them. And he says, the, and, and I got to be honest, as you read through 1 Peter, you're going to read some, some things in here that are going to make you go, come again? 
because he's talking about household cultural norms in the first century Middle Eastern context. So he's writing about slaves and how slaves should obey their masters and how wives should obey their husbands. And you just need to understand that this is the social um, and time-lapse disconnect with where we are today. But if you can work through that, what you begin to see Peter doing is saying how we respond in the midst of suffering is going to be where we find our voice. And so he's not, he's not dictating this is how it's supposed to be universally for all time. He's addressing their specific situation. And then he is saying, and it just leads you to how Jesus suffered both because of us and for us. And he enters into our suffering with us and he acknowledges the feelings that we're experiencing. And then he shows us how we can not only, how we can not only express ourselves, but how we can turn and minister to one another. So, so much of this letter is about community. So we are the temple of God. We are where God dwells. We are people who serve one another as, as priests. And that's about community. And he's saying, when you do this, it gives you the voice for people to go, why are you able to endure in the midst of suffering? Why do we continue to meet when it's so difficult to meet? Because our hope is in Jesus. And we can cast our cares and anxieties on him. Because his empathy, his mercy, his grace, his love, his compassion are infinite. And we can do the very same for each other. So I, I want to take what Peter has written here, and I just want to jump over to back to Paul and something that Paul wrote. And I want to read these verses for you. This is Paul writing an, a second letter to the Corinthians, the Christians in the city of Corinth. And he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Now, I want you to hear this. God comforts us in all of our troubles. And then because we've experienced that, we can help people who are going through the very same thing that we're going through. And that's it. No, of course not. What it says is we can help those in any trouble. And the wonderful thing about empathy is that I can empathize with you in your suffering and I may not have gone through what you've gone through, but I've been comforted before and I know what comfort feels like. And I can give that as a gift to you. Even though what I went through could be something totally different than what you went through, God comforted me and I'm able to share that comfort with you in any trouble that you're experiencing. That's the beauty of empathy. You don't have to know fully what it's like to be going through what they're going through, but you know what it's like to be down and to be grieving or to be hurting and to be in pain. And you can enter into that feeling. You can enter into their suffering with them as Peter says Jesus does for us as you read through the entire letter here. And that becomes our voice. And so we'll say this a few times, that, that for Christians, our voice is found not in trying to explain why there is suffering and trying to rationalize it. Our voice is found in our response to suffering and how we allow ourselves to feel the pain that we're going through and to have empathy for ourselves and to enter into empathy with the suffering of the people that are around us, that we know and that we love. 
So that's the first letter Peter wrote to them. And then he wrote a second letter. And it comes right after, and it's, it's a significantly shorter. And it, and it touches on something different. It's still being written to people who are, who are suffering. So in the very first verse in, in uh, the second letter Peter writes, he talks about um, the justice and fairness of God. And that's this kind of a, a veiled reference to the fact that these people are experiencing injustice. They're suffering. And so he's still on the same theme, but now he's talking about this idea of knowing Jesus. And so um, the verse that he has, Second um, Peter chapter 1, verse 2, and, and this is how he ends the letter as well. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And in the end, um, chapter 3, verse 18, I think it, he writes, you know, continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and so Peter's talking about this knowledge. And when he's talking about knowledge, he's not talking about something academic. It includes, you know, our intellectual capacity to know things. But when we talk about knowing somebody, we don't talk about just knowing facts about them. When we say that we know somebody, that means that we have a relationship with them. And here's Peter saying, the deeper your relationship is with God and with Jesus, the more grace and peace you experience. I can talk about knowing about, I know about Justin Trudeau. But I don't know Justin Trudeau. I just know facts about him. And sometimes I think when we, when we read things like this in the scriptures about knowledge, we think, well, I need to make sure I know all the right things about God. And that's not what the, that's not what the writers are talking about. They're talking about an intimacy, a closeness, a relational aspect to, to our, who we are with God and with Jesus. And throughout the second letter that Peter writes, you know, as he's addressing this idea of suffering, he's saying one of the things that helps us is our capacity to understand and know who God is. And so in just a couple verses after this one, Peter says that God actually makes it possible for us to participate in his divine nature. And that really starts to, to mess with our heads. It's a theological term called theosis. Where we actually, and, it, and it's really, um, uh, it's a it's just this wonderful idea that God invites us to share in his life. And when we share in God's life, it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. We don't have to go through suffering, but it allows us to see suffering in its proper context. And it allows us to move away from comparative suffering, where I think that my, mine's not as bad as theirs, so therefore I can't, I can't feel the things that I'm feeling. Or mine is way worse than theirs, and I'm just going to focus on myself. And as Peter writes um, in the second letter, he's saying, we need to know Jesus. And then he, then he has this warning for them. And this is all connected around this idea of suffering. And he says, watch out for fake news. You know, I think it was Donald Trump that coined that phrase. He started using the term fake news. And then now we use it all the time. And I think as you read through Peter's second letter, all of chapter 2 is about false prophets. People who tell you things about your condition or about your relationship with God that take your eyes off of how he really and truly is. Now, we don't have people running around today um, 
you know, preaching and, and teaching all these. Maybe we do, but, but I think in our context, rather than looking for some person that's um, deliberately trying to lead people astray, and, and I think there, we need to be careful there, I think there's just this awareness that there are many voices in our world that are taking our eyes off of God, off of an other-centered love for one another. And they put our lives into, or put our minds into looking to other things or other people to alleviate our suffering and to change our world. And, and what we just experienced is, is this wonderful example. In 1 Peter, he talks about being foreigners and aliens and strangers in this world. And I think, it, you know, we just need to recognize that when we choose to follow Jesus, we are entering into a different type of economy, a different type of social structure, a different type of politics that are, that are come under the lordship of Jesus. And that is very different often than, than what we see happening in our world. So this past week, people have been looking to two individuals to change their world. And as Christians, we would just have to say, like, those people have a responsibility to care for the people that they're in charge of, but they are not going to save this world. And Peter's saying, when we listen to the fake news, the, the ultimate voices that take us away from Jesus, it's decreasing our knowledge of God and of Jesus. And then that makes our suffering and our experience of suffering so much more skewed and distorted, where we're either looking in more and more or we completely ignore our reality in the way we compare. And so as Peter writes through here, he is saying, grow in your knowledge of Jesus. Get closer to him as much as you can and experience the grace and peace that comes from that. And those fake voices, they don't understand how God operates in this world. So when you come into chapter 3, he says, people are just like... Even then, have you ever felt like, I just wish Jesus would come back? And then you begin to think, is that real? Is he really coming back? Even back then, this is what people were saying. Like, why are you, why are you focused on this person? He's not coming back. This world isn't going to change. And Peter says, those false voices don't understand how God operates in this world. God has a patience that we can't fathom. And he's quite willing to wait so that more and more people can turn to him. And in the meantime, in a world that is full of suffering, God's message to us is, I understand how you're feeling. I've been there. You're not alone. And what I have for you is something you can share with one another. Empathy, compassion, love and grace so that you don't have to suffer by yourself. Our voice as Christians is not in trying to explain suffering to our world. Christianity was never designed to explain suffering. Our voice is in how we respond to it. And that's the encouragement of First and Second Peter. Let's pray. We praise you, God, because you're the God of all comfort and you comfort us in all of our troubles.
so that we too can take that comfort and use it to help others who are going through great difficulty. So for each person listening today, tuning in later, may we be gracious enough with ourselves to acknowledge our pain and not to diminish it and to know that you understand how we're feeling and you join us in that. Jesus, you suffered for us. You understand suffering. May that be an encouragement for us. And may we then be able to take this infinite, ever-flowing love and grace and empathy and compassion that you've given to us and share that with our world. And in so doing, find our voice, which brings praise and glory and honor to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for tuning in. Um, next week, we're going to look at another one of our, of our letter writers in the New Testament. We're going to read the mail of the Apostle John. We will see you next Sunday. <laughs>